Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I always look at that story and I look at how present Satan was up until she bit he was present. He was all up in there. Hey, what are you doing, Eve? What's going on? Did God say you couldn't eat of everything? Oh, that's messed up. God's keeping something good. He was all up in there, talking, 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 talking. As soon as she bit, where was he at? Like a bad friend. As soon as you got broke, they gone, right? <laughs> Satan just, I think he was just there to get her to that point. And as soon as she ate, he off the map. Silence. Got you. Sin deceives us. Satan will try every trick and scheme in the book to make you stumble in your walk with God. The closer you are to God in your relationship with Him, the more opposition you'll see come your way. What's the best thing you can do to face Him? Pastor Bill is going to show you today that it's spending more time with God, in prayer and in His Word. You'll be more equipped and stronger to face the stumbling blocks Satan's going to try to put in your way. But you'll never face more temptation than what you can say no to. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 7 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Early on when I got saved, I was doing this often. I didn't know better. And I would make rules and regulations. I would say, okay, I'm not going to do this, not going to do that. I would just set up all these things that I'm not going to do so that I could be, you know, holy. I could be good. And once you set all those things up, it's a fail if you succeed and a fail if you fail. Because if you set all these things up that you don't do and you succeed, what happens to you? You start prideful. You start being prideful and look at everybody else that's doing it. You still go to those kind of movies? Mm, I don't. You know, pride sets in. Now you're a Pharisee. Now you're a messed up Christian. Um, if you set them up and you keep failing, what happens? You get discouraged and you might quit. And so setting all those things up is not really the program that God wants. Um, I got set up all these parameters and things. And, and now, um, you know, if I do all these things, you know, God says, no, I want you to walk a little lighter than that. Um, interesting with the relationship with the Lord when we walk in love. I'm in love with the Lord. And so as I walk in love with him, I realize that this is what he likes. This is what he doesn't like. Best way I can explain it because God uses a marriage to describe our relationship with him. Uh, for those that are in healthy marriages, loving one another, uh, just think about the things that people do in a marriage to just to love on one another. Little thoughtful things, buying stuff, spending money you don't got, you know, wishing you had more money to buy them more things, to bless them more better, you know, just when love motivates you, it's like you'd be happy to give it, you know. It might have emptied your bank account, and it's like, oh, but I'm, I can't wait till they get it and receive it. It's like nothing. But let it be something you got to pay. Everybody got to pay bills. Don't nobody pay their bills like that. And nobody's like, I can't wait to give them this electric, I can't wait to hear, guys, here it is. Nobody pays a bill like this, you got to pay it. Right. But when you get to spend something to just like lavish love, it feels good. Oh, it's a good feeling because it's just done out of love. And if we can get to where our walk with God starts to be like that, man, I'm just looking for this opportunity to be in the word. Oh, I feel this is awesome just to be with God, just me and him. Not legalistic, just I can't wait to have some time with him. I'm looking for opportunities to serve. I'm looking for ministries I can be involved in. Not because I got to, but God, I want to be a part of your work. I want to put my hand to the plow. I want to bless you. I want to minister to others. It just transforms everything. And now instead of looking for all these things I can't do, I shouldn't do, as you get to know the Lord and you start knowing what he likes, what he doesn't like, and you find that you just kind of submit to that. You know, I've been married to my wife 18 years. Um, and in those 18 years, I've learned things that she doesn't like, things that she does like. And so I adjust, you know, even some of who I am as a person. Um, for some of you guys that know me well, you know, I'm a jokester. 
I play, I prank, I bag on people. Not in a bad way, you know. We're in this appropriate. I got friends that we just, we be getting on each other. When my family comes over, you know, we go at it. Me and my sister go, we go toe to toe every time she comes over. Somebody's gonna win, somebody's gonna lose. And my wife, I remember we were going out just before we got married. My sister came over, me and my wife had an episode. We were going. And my wife thought it was hilarious. I mean, I was bagging on her hair and she was bagging on my head and we were just going, going, going and my wife's just rolling and we got done. And she said, if you ever did that to me, (laughs) it's hilarious when you're doing it, but if you ever did that to me, I would be so upset. And I just said, note to self, like, no, I never bagged on my wife. I realized that that wouldn't be funny to her. It's only funny over there, you know? So I'm adjust, that's part of who I am, but I've made adjustments because I love her, right? And as we love the Lord and we spend time in his word and we get to know him, we figure that, man, God doesn't like that. I love the Lord, so I just don't do that anymore. It's not like I can't do it. I don't do that. I love, I love him. And so if walking that way would bring him displeasure. I just don't do it. I love the Lord and he likes this. And so I know in doing this, it pleases him. And so it's not I don't have to, but if I do this, it pleases him. I'm looking forward to doing this thing that pleases him. You guys see the difference? That's where we're headed. Um, out of a legalistic, out of the law, into a love relationship with Jesus Christ. So we learned over in chapter 6, 1 through 11, that we had new life. Uh, we learned in chapter 6, 12 to 23, we had a new master. And we're learning in chapter 7 that we got a new love. Um, it's a new love. It's a new relationship. And we're no longer married to the law. We broke that one up. We died to the law. And now we're in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Moving on now, uh, we're going to get three different ways that sin impacts us. Um, verse 8 told us that sin took opportunity, it produced all manner of evil desire. We already looked at that one. So just knowing that the sign says don't touch made me want to touch it. You know, sin provoked uh, my sinful nature, made me want to do what I shouldn't do. Then look down in verse 11. It says, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. So now sin deceived me and through the deception killed me. How does sin deceive us? In a few ways. Sin tells us that it's going to fulfill us, but it never does. That's one of the lies of sin. Sin says, this will be fulfilling. This is God is keeping something good from you. This will be good for you. That's what sin screams. And that's why people that know they shouldn't do it anyway, that this is going to be fulfilling. I'm going to enjoy this. It's going to be good. That's one of the deceptions of sin. But when you give into it, what do you find? Empty. What does Satan tell Eve? Oh, just, you know, God lied to you. God knows in the day you eat of this tree, you'll be just like him, right? What happened when she ate of that tree? Sin entered the world, right? She got punished. Death came. I always look at that story, and I look at how present Satan was up until she bit. He was present. He was all up in there. Hey, what are you doing, Eve? What's going on? Did God say you couldn't eat of everything? Oh, that's messed up. God's keeping something good. He was all up in her, talking, 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 talking. As soon as she bit, where was he at? Like a bad friend. As soon as you got broke, they gone, right? <laughs> Satan just, I, he was just there to get her to that point. And as soon as she ate, he off the map. Silence. Got you. Sin deceives us. It tells us it'll fulfill us. But everybody here, just look at your life. When has sin ever been fulfilling? For more than two seconds. Uh, sin doesn't bring fulfillment. It leaves you hungry for more. Sin binds you. It gets you in bondage. It's one of the lies that sin tells it'll fulfill you. Another thing that sin tells you is that sin tells us that it's something good that God's keeping from you. And a lot of people, especially young people, but old people too, believe that lie. You know, God's keeping something good from me. No, no, God's keeping you from harm. 
God's keeping you from something that's going to bind you. You know, a lot of people struggle with God saying, you know, don't have sex before you get married. Ah, not me. That's old. That's archaic. You know, that's a, God made sex, you know, blah, blah, blah. All right. So look at all the people with no daddies because people couldn't wait till they got married. Right. We mad over here. Look at this epidemic. You deadbeat dads. This now. I'm saying it's two people laying down outside of marriage making these babies without daddies. That's messed up. But that's what's happening. Sin said it would be fun. But the reality says, look at how many lives are ruined. Look how many people are hurting as a result. So if I would have done it God's way, right, be a different program. God's way is always better. And I don't say this to condemn anyone that's made that mistake. I made that mistake many, many times. So this is not to bring condemnation. It's for those that are living right now that you wouldn't do it anymore. So no condemnation. Well, that's our last verse, chapter one. So chapter, verse eight, right? We're not under condemnation. I'm not beating you up, but I'm saying it does create some problems when we decide we're going to do it our way. And so sin, it deceives us. Tells us it'll fulfill us, but it doesn't. Tells us God is keeping something good from us, but it's not. Um, sin brings deception. And then it says it ultimately kills us, right? Sin ultimately brings forth death. That's what sin brings. Sin brings death. It'll bring death, physical death. Sin will bring death to your calling, death to your dreams, death to what God would have done with your life. Sin brings death. That's what it ultimately brings. You follow someone that's going off in sin, it ends in death. I look at Samson's life. I like the warrior folk in the Bible. And so I look at Samson, I'm like, man, I look at Samson and from the very beginning, God said he was going to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And I'm like, why he just going to begin? But then I look at his life. Said Samson was a he man. And even though God used him, I look at like how much he was used to do in his lifetime and wonder how much more he would have done had he not had that issue. These foreign women, these pagan women, basically he lost everything behind a woman. And yep, God gave him one last moment of grace, but sin ultimately brought death. Uh, and I can only wonder what he would have been if he had to continue, if he had been one of the guys that just lived in purity and power. And so sin brings death. But. That's one of the deceptions of sin. They said, no, it's going to be good. No, it's going to kill you. It's going to ruin all the good that God would do. And so that's one of the problems with sin. It brings death. Verse 12, therefore, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Um, and he's just explaining here, that it would be very clear that it might appear to be sin. It was producing death in him through what is good, through his trying to keep the law, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Paul got to the point. Paul said earlier in one of his times of giving testimony, he says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, I kept the law. I kept it. And in keeping the law, he was a worse sinner. Um, so it didn't make him better. It made him worse. He's acknowledging that here. Verse 14, he says, for we know that the law is spiritual. But Paul says, but I am carnal, sold under sin. He says, the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. Remember, I told you guys earlier, I referenced Matthew where Jesus said, hey, you've heard that it was said, you know, don't commit murder. But that's the legal law. The law is spiritual. I'm saying don't hate somebody. You've heard that it said, don't commit adultery. That was the legal law. God said, but it's the law of spiritual. I'm saying, don't lust after somebody. And if you want to reference those verses, it's, you can look at Matthew 5, um, 21, 27, 33, 38, and 43. For you note takers, Matthew 5, 21, 27, 33, 38, 
and 43. And he says, so, but I am carnal. And uh, the word carnal there just means I'm fleshy. I'm of the flesh. We have a carnal nature. Everybody here live in their flesh. Even y'all that feel spiritual, we live in the flesh. And the last section here, Paul is getting ready to give us this explanation. He's going to, in great detail, Paul's going to lay out the war between the flesh and the spirit looks like. Everybody here born again, um, there's something took place when you got saved. The spirit of God came to live inside you. And now there's a war. And I would say this to encourage you. If you find that you're struggling with sin, um, one encouraging thing if you're struggling with sin is the struggle with sin is an indication of spiritual life. If you're spiritually dead, you won't struggle with sin. You'll indulge in sin. Uh, you'll just be in the midst of sin. You won't fight it. You won't resist it. You won't not want to do it. You just do it. And, and unless it costs you something, it'll be fine. But when you're born again, there's a struggle. There's a nature in you, your fallen sinful nature saying, do it, do it. And there's the spirit of God inside saying, don't do that. Don't do that. And they're war one with another. There's a battle going on in between us. What Paul's going to do from here, and we'll finish it next week in chapter eight, is explain to us how to get that victory. But here he's going to explain what the battle looks like. So look at verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And some of you guys here are saying, that's me. The things I want to do, I don't do. I meant to read my Bible. And the things you don't want to do, that's what you find yourself doing. Verse 16, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So he said, the fact that I'm doing something, but I don't want to do it, there's an agreement inside me that the law is good, right? The fact that I don't want to do it, I know better, says the law is not bad. Verse 17, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Some people read this and say, all right, so then I can just blame it on sin. That's not it. When he says sin here, speaking of your sinful nature, and even if you're born again, you still have your sinful nature. That's the part of you that still wants to do old stuff. And that's why you can't forget, for some of us, we get born again, we get saved, but you live in the same body that used to do what you used to do. And so you're going to still have inclinations. You're going to still have certain desires and weaknesses in your flesh that must be overcome. And Paul's going to teach us how to overcome. Because um, I live in my flesh just like you guys. And my flesh, my fallen nature has weaknesses and issues just like everybody else's, but we can't have a victory, right? So he's not going to leave us in a place of spiritual defeat, but he's explaining the battle so that you guys would know that nobody's alone here. Um, if you feel like, man, I've been getting my tail kicked. I've been in this battle feeling like it's just me. First Corinthians 10, 13, one of my favorite verses for that, it says that no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common. It means other people are dealing with it. It says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And God says, I'm there. I know you're going to be tempted. I know you're going to struggle. It's common. Everybody's dealing with it. I'll make a way. You can't have a victory. I just want us to all know that. Nobody's in a position where they must fail. God makes a way for everybody. Everybody that won a victory can have a victory through Christ. Amen? And so moving on now, it says in verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. And so Paul acknowledges, in me and my flesh, there's nothing good. And some people have a hard time admitting that. And so the sooner you do, the better you'll be. Um, if you still feel like, no, there's something good in me, you need to come to the place where you agree with the Bible that no, there's none good, no, not one. In my flesh, nothing good. Nothing good in my flesh. My flesh is messed up. My flesh needs redemption. Um, the flesh is not ever going to be reformed. 
You're not going to reform the flesh. You're going to crucify it. I'm not going to be get my flesh in order to where now this flesh is now good. God said, no, you're going to crucify the flesh. You're going to walk in the spirit. That's where we're going to be coming to. In my flesh, there's nothing good. You know, I talk to people that they feel like, you know, well, I'm a good person. When people say that to me, I just look at them like this. I go, oh, you still think you're a good person? You know, I love you guys, but ain't none of y'all good people in God's economy. Um, we ain't none of us. I'm not a good people. You're not a good people. The sooner we agree with that. God, I'm not. I'm, okay, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. I'm bad, but who's good? God is good. See, if we could just get it in the right order, I'm bad, but I got a great God. And I'll be in a place to receive all the good that he wants to bring about in my life. And so in me and my flesh, nothing good dwells. It's how do, he says, to will is present with me. Like, I want to do the right thing. How to perform it, I, I don't do. Again, maybe that battle describes you. The desire to do the right thing, to will, is present. I want to do the right thing, but how to perform it? I can't get it. I want to do it, but I can't do it. I desire it, but I'm failing at it. Verse 19, he says, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it. But again, he says, sin that dwells in me, my sinful nature. For I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Um, so, and we're going to see law. He's the word law five different times. At first, I find a law. The evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. Verse 22, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. My inward man, that part of me born again, delights in the law of God, right? Loves God's word. I just, I eat it, I feed on it, I delight in it. It blesses, makes me happy, right? But verse 23, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, so even though my inward man delights in the law of God, he says, another law in my members, my body. And it wars against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And so Paul just, as he lays this out, it's kind of despairing. And the next thing he says, he shows us where to turn, where to look. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And that word wretched is an interesting word. It explains or it's used to describe a soldier that's weary from battle. Wretched. I mean, you got a soldier, he's been out in battle, been dying, he's been dodging bullets and swords and killing people, and he's just weary for his own life, just dragging in. He's wretched. And that's what we're like. Just for anybody that's been trying in their own flesh to overcome, been trying and trying, just that's you, wretched. It's so good to come to this place where we say, God, a wretched man that I am. And he asks a wonderful question Who? will deliver me from this body of death. Now, it's interesting here, and it was a common practice for the Romans. If you were guilty of murder and they convicted you on it, um, they had a really gross practice that they would do. Um, they would take the person you murdered and they would chain you to the person, palm to palm, face to face, feet to feet, and you're chained to that person and basically you carried them around until you died. That corpse was decaying and dying and rotting on you. There's a word used, it's called contagion, to where you died of contagion. What a horrible way to die that was. Death is on you. It stinks, you feel it, you see, you can't escape it, it's there. And Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? I live in a body of who will deliver me from this? And he says, I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God through Christ Jesus. Paul says, I can't deliver myself. There's not enough rules to deliver me. 
There's not enough laws. There's not enough don't touch, don't do, don't feel, don't go, don't smell. Who will deliver me? Who? I thank God through Jesus, through Christ Jesus, my Lord. Jesus is the one that will deliver you and me. How does he deliver us, you guys? He delivers you and me from this body of death and that he died in our place. He took my sins. He took my guilt. He took my shame. And he died in our place. And then he rose from the grave and he overcame sin, death, and Satan. And he offers you and me this, this opportunity to walk into a relationship with him by grace, through faith. You didn't earn it. You were never good enough for it. You haven't worked hard for it. You've received this wonderful gift from God. And Paul says, I thank God through Christ Jesus. This is how I'm going to enter in to a relationship with the Lord. Through my relationship with you. This, I'm going to come in through grace. I'm going to come in through faith. And so he says, so then with the mind... I myself will serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul recognizing that the rest of his life on earth, um, this battle will be there, right? I'm going to be battling back and forth between the flesh and the spirit. And then I want to leave off in verse one of chapter eight. He says, therefore, now no condemnation. And a lot of people love to stop right there. There's no condemnation. Those are in Christ Jesus. I got to go a little further. Because everybody cuts it off right there and leaves out some key words. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How do you know you're in Christ Jesus? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Greatest evidence that I'm in this kind of relationship with the Lord is going to be my walk. I no longer am walking in the flesh. I'm walking in the spirit. The war is on. Where does the victory over the flesh, where does that end at? Ultimately, Paul's going to tell us that it's by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. It's going to be through the life of the spirit that we have victory over the flesh, that we're going to live in this body where the spirit is alive and the flesh is active and they're warm with one another. But it's going to be through the spirit, by the spirit, I'm going to put to death the deeds of the body where I'm going to have spiritual victory in this body of death. This body is decaying, it's dying, it's carnal, it's under sin, but I'm going to have spiritual victory as I yield to the spirit of God inside of me. And as you yield to the spirit of God inside of you, you're going to experience God's victory. But I want to point this out, right? Paul says, who will deliver me? If I can make something so big to all of us today. If you leave church saying one, there's an overwhelming thought. Let it be this. Let it be all that Christ has done to deliver you and me from what we are. Everything in this chapter we learn, man, I'm, I'm under sin. I'm carnal. I got a sinful nature. I want to do the wrong things. Even when I try to do the right things, I want to do the wrong things. I can be legalistic. Inside me, there's wicked desires that I shouldn't want to do that I do. And maybe even actually go out and do these things. And God says, but I've made a provision, right? There's someone to deliver you. And there's Jesus. You can be delivered. None of us have to die in our sins, die for our sins. God said, I've made a provision. And Though he's made a provision, you guys, everybody doesn't take him up on it. God's made a provision for you and me to be forgiven of our sins, washed, cleansed, made right with him. But we got to take advantage of what he's made available, right? I wish everybody was going to heaven. I wish it was true. Just by default, just because he did it, everybody was going. But that's not how the scriptures tell us. I got to receive what God did for me. And we can hear all this stuff, you guys. We can hear that we've got a sinful nature and, oh, wretched man that I am, and who will deliver me? And it's Jesus that will deliver I can hear all that and go on and keep walking my life and never surrender it to Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll leave you with this thought today because there's just two groups of people in here today. There are those that have surrendered their lives to Christ, and God's going to help us with our walk. And we're going to grow in our relationship with Jesus where we have more of a victory in our walk with God. And I want to pray for that group. 
Because I know the Christians struggle and battle. The war is real. And then there'll be people here that have not yet entered. And you don't know for sure if you die today, you go to heaven. Don't leave here like that. If you're sitting here and you say, I don't really know. I don't know that the spirit of God lives in me. I'm not sure. I want to be saved. The Bible says that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Romans 5, 3-5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a transforming word.